Well, we have our two readings today, our first reading in our gospel. We've got this passage from the book of Numbers, kind of a mysterious passage. Certainly, interestingly enough, the people are complaining against Moses. They get bit by these serpents that are poisonous. And uh, for their remedy, Moses makes a bronze uh, image of the species of serpent that, that bit them and uh, places it on a pole and holds it aloft to the view of the people. And whoever is bit by the serpent um, flees to this pole and gathers around it, essentially, and gazes upon it, and they're cured of the, of the poison. It's kind of weird, but fascinating at the same time. And then in the Gospel, Christ actually likens the passion and his own uh, exaltation to this story of the bronze serpent. And it's very interesting. We got There's a lot of things going on there, and I, I can't claim to be able to uh, plummet to the depths of, of its meaning and its mystery, but here's a few thoughts. I think a lot of what's going on here has to do with pride, because we see in both stories a rejection of this authority figure. In the first reading from Numbers, the people are rejecting Moses, and in the gospel, the Pharisees as a whole, and the Jews as a whole, not every single one, but as a whole, generally speaking, they rejected Jesus. You know, if you go back in the book of Exodus, Moses' original reason why he, why he fled Egypt, he was raised in Pharaoh's household, but he had to flee Egypt when he was 40. And uh, he lived off as a humble shepherd for about 40, another 40 years until he was 80. And only then did God call him to go back to Egypt and liberate the people. Um, but he was originally rejected by the people. It was really out of pride. So he actually, you know, he, he intervened in this dispute between an Egyptian and one of his own people, and he favored his own people, okay? And he took vengeance, actually, on the Egyptian. Uh, and a lot of the theologians uh, in our tradition don't regard what Moses did to this guy. He actually killed him. They don't regard that as murder. They actually regard it as an inspiration from God uh, that was a foreshadowing of God's deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt by the basically the smiting of the Egyptians. And so Moses' killing of this guy is not regarded, in our tradition at least, as murder, but actually as a, a prophetic act of deliverance. But the next day, after Moses does this, under inspiration, the next day he gets accused by his own people, the people who he began to liberate says, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Did you, you think you're a judge? You think you're some kind of king? You think you're some kind of leader? Who do you think you are? You want to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And then that's where Moses says, okay, I'm definitely not going to be accepted by the people. So that's when he flees, okay? And he flees the wrath of Pharaoh as well. Um, and then, of course, the main reason why Christ, our Lord, was rejected by the Pharisees was, was pride. Envy and jealousy are related to this as well. There's no doubt about that. Now, envy and jealousy, in popular terms of speaking, are, are equivalent. They're the same thing. But in technical uh, moral theology language, uh, there's a difference between the two. So jealousy is when you have you have your own sort of um, excellencies, whatever they might be, whether it be learning or beauty or uh, wit or whatever it might be. You have these certain quali- good qualities. And um, you are jealous of them, meaning you guard and protect them. And if you see any competition 
of anybody who's getting who's approaching you, you 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 get a little defensive towards that person. Okay, <laughs> so that's jealousy. Uh, envy is it's the opposite. Envy is when you see when you recognize some kind of excellence in the other person. And you're envious of that. You're like, I hate that person because he's got something I don't have. <laughs> so that's envy. But but both of them we see connected with the Israelites in relation to Moses and the Pharisees in relation to um, uh, our Lord. And they're really tied into the deeper vice of pride. And pride is just essentially a, a love, an inordinate love of one's own excellence. We all have a certain degree of excellence simply because we're made in God's image. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just a reality. There's something that we have that's, that we're good at, a talent, a skill, whatever it might be. And um, uh, that uh, excellence is loved by the prideful person in an inordinate way, meaning in a way that's a little bit out of bounds, okay? It's, he, it's, he's got something to boast about, but he goes overboard with it a little bit, and he starts thinking, he takes a little thing, and he, it starts to blow up in his eyes, and it becomes bigger <laughs> than what it really is. And uh, he loves that self and, and the excellence at the expense of other people. So, you know, this is where arrogance and harsh words and fighting and all of this kind of stuff starts to come, flows out of pride. Well, you know, we've got this whole thing of the serpent being lifted up. Who's the original serpent but the devil in the garden? And what was his original sin, really, but pride? It stems, goes back to pride. So the most prideful uh, being ever is the devil himself. And whenever we sin and whenever we follow the path of pride, we're kind of, we're, we're imitating the serpent. So Christ then came and he subjected himself to the uttermost um, humiliation possible. That is, God Almighty, ruler of the universe, became regarded as a blasphemer, um, a rebel, um, an, an er- he was accused of arrogance, <laughs> being arrogant, when the irony was that the people who were accusing him were really the arrogant ones. And then he subjected himself to the torture and the torment of the scourging and the cross. And, um, and then he was displayed before the public, essentially naked, um, people spitting upon him, cursing him, all of this kind of stuff. So this great act of humility of our Lord's counteracts the pride that's at the root of the rebellion of the Israelites, at the root of the rebellion of the Pharisees. It's at the root of our own sin. And uh, that that same humiliation is also Christ's exaltation. That's what the, another paradox in all of this is, so that Christ being lifted up on the cross is his humiliation, but it's simultaneously his exaltation because it's his way of obeying God. And it's through obedience to God that we are glorified. So St. Peter says to us uh, in First Peter, he says, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. So humility is actually the path to exaltation. And I bring with you today... Uh, a very nice crucifixion. Actually, our our sister Eleanor, before she left us, um, she she dropped this off at the office, and it's uh, 
I just hold it up here as an example of a nice crucifix. Sometimes I, I come into Catholics' homes and I make them feel guilty because they don't have a crucifix hanging somewhere in their home, you know? So if anybody here doesn't have a crucifix hanging in any of your rooms, I'm going to make you feel guilty, okay? We should all have crucifixes hanging somewhere in our house. Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. This is like, you know, gazing, this is the Israelites looking upon the bronze serpent and them being cured. We can do that ourselves in our own uh, prayer life and our own meditation if we gaze upon Christ and we think we see his suffering and his humiliation it reminds us that it's our sin that brought him there so when we contemplate our own sin we grow in humility and moreover it's what's amazing is that Jesus's humiliation was simultaneously his exaltation because it was his obedience to the father's will and uh, it was a revelation of his of his greatness and who he was. And so we hear in our gospel, it says, when you have list, lifted up, let's hear what does he say, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am. I am is a title of God and his and the greatness of his self-existence and his deity, the fullness of his deity. So Christ is saying that it's through the cross that you will realize his deity. And another way of contemplating and meditating uh such that we would grow in humility is to is to remember that no matter what good things we have, we really are nothing compared to God. God alone exists of himself, in and of himself. He is self-existent. We exist purely by God's will. He brought us into existence out of nothing. So really, relative to God, in a certain sense, we are nothing. St. Catherine of Siena um, in her dialogues, God revealed to her and said to her, I am that am. I am who am, and you are nothing. So in light of our sin, which we see in the cross, in light of Christ's own deity and our relative nothingness, which we see in the cross, that, my brothers and sisters, is a path to humility. And down that path... Uh, we won't make that the error that the Israelites did in rejecting Moses and that the Pharisees did in rejecting Christ as we continue to journey towards our Easter season.